Get your Bibles, turn into uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Now, for those of you who are sitting here in this auditorium, I want to ask uh, just a quick question. How many of you, and I would like you to raise your hand, how many of you have lived in this region, northwest Atlanta? You have lived here most of your life. Raise your hand. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, keep your hands up. How many of you have lived here all of your life? If that's okay, keep your hands up. Wow. That's crazy. First service was even more so. So it's just, that's pretty cool. Um, that means you have some deep roots here in this area. You probably have a, a lot of family. Uh, you're probably related to someone named Rakestraw or Ragsdale or something like that. Um, you have a lot of history in this region of Georgia, but I want you to imagine that sometime tomorrow you're just hanging out at home or, or you're at work and God begins to speak to you in an audible clear voice. I mean, you can't miss it. It's him. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pack your bags, everything you have, and I want you to leave Northwest Atlanta. And I want you uh, to just, just take your spouse, your, your husband, your wife, and if you take your kids if you want, and, and, but no one else, no one else. And I want you to move someplace that you have never been before. Matter of fact, I want you to travel out, travel out into a direction that I've laid out for you without stopping, and I will tell you when you will get there. In other words, I'll tell you when to stop, but you just, I want you to, to go. And here's the kicker, all right? God makes some promises to you in this conversation. He says, through your family, I'm going to give you many descendants, so many descendants, you won't even be able to count them. As many as the stars are in the sky. And out of those, those descendants, I'm actually going to use you to start a brand new nation. And it will be my very own nation, a nation of blessing. And through this nation, I'm going to send my own son to bring salvation to the world. Now imagine how you might be processing that conversation with God. Especially if you're someone who has never traveled too far outside of Paulding County. Okay. Imagine coming home from work and sharing that information, guys, with your wife. Uh, hey, God spoke to me. Or, or with, with your husband. Imagine explaining this to your parents or to your friends. Imagine your poor kids going to school to try to tell this to, to their friends and to their teacher. Yeah, dad said he heard a voice from God and we're supposed to leave and God's going to make a nation out of my family. And everybody's like, let's get this kid in the locker room. He's, he's crazy. Well, this scenario is the defining moment of faith of a man by the name of Abraham. We've been in this great series. We've been actually studying the book of Hebrews, but we're camped out in Hebrews 11 talking about some of the great Old Testament heroes of the faith who had um, defining moments of faith that, that were so notable that God actually decided to put a spotlight on them in this one chapter. Well, let's check out what the writer of Hebrews says about Abraham. In verse 8, he says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, before we talk about Abraham's faith journey, I want to just give you a little fun fact about him, and you may not know this, but every Jewish person, every person who is a Muslim, every person who is a Christian, every one of those people can all trace their spiritual lineage back to this one man, Abraham. 
Okay, uh, If we were to actually trace all of the current tension going on today in the Middle East, which is now spread out to various places all over the world, we could trace it back to this one story, this, this man's life. We could, we could trace it back to this defining moment of faith and then the decisions that this man made afterwards because those decisions have literally shaped the course of the world for not only thousands of years in the past, but they're going to continue to shape our lives for many, many years to come. But Abraham's story is a story of faith. It is a faith walk. It's a story of God choosing a very unlikely man to bless and to become the earthly father of a people that God would say, these are my own people. It's about a man believing a God that he did not know, that he had never seen before. It's about a man taking this God at his word when none of it made sense at all and choosing to fully follow him, to be all in to be all in. And honestly, I want you to know, it, it's, it's the same life that God has called every single one of you to live. God has called every one of us in this room to live a life of faith, to follow him fully, to be all in, even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if, 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 if it just doesn't add up, even if you feel like I'm, I'm a very unlikely person for this to happen. But God wants every one of us in this room to be at a place in our lives where we say, God, whenever, whatever, wherever you want to lead me, I'm ready to go. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like in this story? Well, we're going to kind of unpack the calling of Abraham because God called him to follow him fully. What does that look like? Following fully, first of all, is going to usually involve unlikely people. What does that mean? Well, This is where we're going to dig into the backstory of Abraham. And if you want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 11, at the end of that chapter, here's what we read about this family in verse 27. It says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Now, interesting thing, why does Moses, who is the writer of Genesis, why does he call him Abram when we know his, his name is Abraham? Well, God's going to change his name, Abraham's name, later in the story. But for the sake of today, we're just going to refer to him as Abraham, okay? But Abraham's father was named Terah. And in verse 28, it tells us that this family was from a nation called Ur of the Chaldeans, which today would be a mixture of Iraq, of East Syria, Southeast Turkey, back in the day, Mesopotamia. Seriously, so there's really nothing overly special about where they came from. Nothing special about this man or his family. Now, here's a little interesting twist uh, when it comes to his father, though. Terah came from a long line of idol worshipers. You say, well, how do you know that? I don't see that here. Well, if you go to Joshua chapter 24, and you don't need to go there, but um, Joshua is talking to the people of Israel, and he's saying, listen, if you're going to really choose to follow God, you need to be all in. And he says, goes back to Abraham, and he says, this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived, they lived beyond the river and they worshiped other gods. So it's very likely that before God first spoke to Abraham, that Abraham was worshiping pagan gods. He was an idol worshiper. And you think what an unlikely candidate to be the man that God would choose to be the father of so many descendants and then to actually be the father of Israel. Here's another fun fact about this story and about Abraham. Abraham was 
about 60 years old when this story happened, and his wife was about 50 when God called him to take this wild leap of faith. Now, for some of you in this room, you think, man, that's really old for me. I'm like, no, I'm in the, that, they're in the prime of their lives right here, okay? Right? It just, as I get older, that prime of life just keeps moving forward. So, but, but this guy and his wife, Sarah, they, listen, they're not a young newlywed couple with this adventurous spirit in, in the world full of possibilities in front of them. And here's another little tidbit that I'm sure created a little tension when Abraham and Sarah had this conversation uh, with God. Not only was Sarah 50 years old, but she was unable to have children. So here's this guy with no ped- pedigree to brag about. He's grown up in a family of pagan idol worshipers. He's, he has lived in the same place all of his life, around the same group of people all of his life, most likely doing the same job that his father had done, whose father had done, whose father had done. And yet this guy, this is the guy that God decided to call out and bless and to become the father of the Jews, the father of the Muslims, the father of the Christian faith. And you may be thinking, what an interesting person for God to pick. A nobody from nowhere whose family is a little bit jacked up and in the world's eyes is probably past his prime. And yet, that is how oftentimes, many, many times, that's how God works. He uses the unqualified. He uses those who have some issues. He uses those who feel a little bit weak, those who may be a little jacked up. Y'all feeling part of the story now? And the world looks at stuff like this and they scratch their head and says, really, that guy? That, that girl, that, that lady, that this, is, this is who God's choosing? And why, why? Because why would God do that? Because th- those are the people that are usually the easiest to work with. They're not all full of themselves and, and they're, they're not all puffed out about their own abilities and talents. They, they're actually walking probably in a bit of humility because they've been through some stuff. They know that when God uses them for his glory, it really had nothing to do with them. It was pretty much all about grace. It was all about God in the first place. See, he does not call us to follow him based upon where we are, where we're from, or even what we know or who we know. He calls us based on what he knows we're going to become. Look at how God called Abraham. Verse one of chapter 12, he says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave everything that's familiar to you, everything that is comfortable to you at this moment that brings security. And I want you to go to a place that you've never been before, that you've never laid your eyes on before. In other words, you, you don't even need to put the location in your, in your, your GPS. Waze isn't going to get you there. I'll just tell you where to stop, where to go and when to stop. You just go. Following God fully is always going to demand sacrifice and obedience. Unlikely people, but always demanding sacrifice and obedience. Anytime that God, God calls you to take a step of faith to follow him, it's going to require a separation from something. It's it's always going to involve a moment of obedience where something is sacrificed as an act of worship. That's what faith involves. I mean, think about this. All of us in this room have been offered God's gift of salvation. What does that mean? It, It requires that you give up on the idea that you can save yourself. God's offer to save you from your sins is an act of grace that you receive by faith has nothing to do with you. But you've got to give up on the idea that it that somehow you can work your way to get it. It's not going to happen. 
He's calling you, matter of fact, he's calling all of us, if you're a Christ follower already, he is calling every one of us to walk in closer fellowship with him. And for some of you, that's going to involve separating yourself from a particular sin that's in your life right now, or maybe a particular relationship that shouldn't be there. Um, that, that, that we see this word in the Bible, sanctify, make yourself holy. It means to separate. God's calling you to that. For, for, for all of us, it's going to involve freeing up some margin and freeing up some space, some time to spend some time in his presence, in his word, listening to his voice, in, you know, in being in prayer, communicating with him. He's calling all of us into ministry. There, 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 there's, for some of you right now, that may be full-time vocational ministry. For some of you, you're, you're going to have to go, you know what, I'm going to have to die to my own dreams and I'm, I'm going to have to follow God's dreams, which is really a good thing, by the way. But there will always be a call to leave comfort and security. Any step of faith that God calls us to take will always demand sacrifice. It will always demand obedience. It will always require you to give up something for something else. And in Abraham's case, God called him to separate himself from his past, from everything that brought him security, to leave his job, to leave his country, to leave his people, to leave his family. Think about when Jesus went around calling his disciples. He told them, I mean, right where they're standing, he says, I want you to drop your, night, your, your nets right there, right where you're standing. Leave your family. Don't even go, go say goodbye to them. Just come and follow me. And, and the Bible says, they had no idea where they were going. They had no idea what he was calling to them to. It was, it, was a, it was a step of faith, and they did it. Now, here's the thing. God, God doesn't always call us to leave our family to follow him, but he wants to know that you're all in that way. He doesn't always call us to sell everything, to leave everything behind that makes us feel secure, to follow him. But listen, in order to truly be a disciple of Jesus, there needs to be a growing willingness inside of us that basically says to God, Lord, whatever, wherever, whenever you call, I'm willing to go. That's, that's how much I'm in. Whatever it is, God, whether it's time, whether it's resources, whether it's money, Lord, you just tell me, Lord, because it's all yours anyways. You tell me where to invest, what to invest, how much to invest, and I'm in. See, truly following God fully, truly walking in faith in this life will always involve sacrifice and obedience. Now, think back to for just a moment when, when, when God first spoke to Abraham, the beginning of this little message we're doing here today, and, and think about the conversation that he had, he might have had with, Ab- with, with Sarah, and, and just kind of Sarah trying to process through this whole thing, because she's leaving everything as well, right? I mean, she's grown up in this area, her family's from here, and I'm sure at some point she's thinking, Abraham, if we're going to do this, what's in this for us? Like, why would we do this? I've never seen this God. You, 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 you talk to him. Well, Sarah, here, here, here's what God told me. Look at verse two. He says, I will make a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Following God fully will come with great promises always. What did God promise to Abraham? He says, okay, let me break this down. He says, I will make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you. I will also make your name great and you will be a blessing. Then he says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And then here's the kicker. He says, in your family line, all of the earth will be blessed. 
Now, let me just break that down for a moment. The, the first blessing was, was a blessing for his descendants. Abraham, we're not going to get into the story today, but he was the biological father of two very significant sons, Ishmael, whose descendants became the Arab nations, and Isaac, whose descendants become the Jewish nations. Can you see the conflict going on here? God also told him later on that his descendants would be given all of the land from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. God was creating a brand new nation, the nation of Israel. And he's basically laying out the boundary lines of this land that he's going to give to this brand new nation. Then he promises him that he would bless those that blessed Israel and he would curse those that cursed Israel. And honestly, you can see this all through history, even to this day. You see that that promise is being kept even to this day. Then he makes a promise to him that he would bless him personally. Now, this is where you and I enter into the story. This is where where all of a sudden we enter into Abraham's story. God tells Abraham that the whole world will be blessed because of his act of faith. And he says, listen, one day, Abraham, all of your descendants, or one, excuse me, one of your descendants, one of your descendants will make it possible for the whole world to know God, to know me personally, and to experience these blessings. Now think about the promise that God made to Abraham for, for a moment. I mean, think about current events and, and what's happening in our world right now. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the news, pick up a newspaper, turn on the internet, go to the news there, and you see the conflict, you see what's happening, you see a nation, you see other nations, you see, I mean, and what you realize in all of this, it, you, you can't miss this, right? God has a plan. He has a plan. It's, it's very clear. And God controls the course of history. And you also see that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And we are living out to, in modern time right now, these ancient promises that were given to this very unlikely man thousands of years ago. And just so you know, Abraham wasn't God's puppet. I mean, just like you and me, he gave him a free will to choose. Abraham could have bailed on this whole plan, but he chose to believe God and to follow him. And the Bible says as a result of that, God counted Abraham's faith as righteous. In other words, Abraham was made right with God. And then God turned these promises that he made with Abraham into a covenant. And now today, because of Jesus, who is the descendant that God actually promised Abraham back in in this story here, God has made a new covenant with all of the world. What was once a promise made to the Israelites is now available to everyone. That's such good news. Galatians chapter three, the apostle Paul in verse six, he says, in the same way Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And I'm so glad it doesn't stop there because it goes on to say the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God, in Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It means that when we put our faith and when we put our trust in God's son, Jesus, to be our savior, to be the Messiah, and to receive his gift of salvation, then we now become the children of God. We become the children of promise. As his children of promise, we now benefit from the promises of God. Romans chapter 11 says that we've actually, as, as Christians now, Christ followers, we've been grafted into the story like a, like a branch that was broken. We're now grafted into that tree, we become part of the promises of God. That means that 
we gain right standing with God at the moment of salvation. It means we get a pardon from sin. It means that we are promised that God will provide for our needs as we continue to seek him first in our lives. We're promised a home in heaven in all of, for all of eternity. And, and we get to partner with God and his plan to reconcile himself back, uh, uh, reconcile mankind back to himself. And, and, and as a bonus, our life is given meaning and purpose as we focus our hearts on his kingdom and what he's doing all over the world. And we get continual presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I could go on and on and on about all these things that God is doing and wants to do in our lives. But listen, for those of you that have chosen to follow God by faith, not only do you get salvation, but when you choose to follow him by faith every single day, just keep following him by faith, guess what? You get to see God do some pretty amazing things with your life. This faith walk that we're on, listen, it comes with some great promises when we choose to follow God fully. Now, what did Abraham do with God's call to follow him fully? What, what, how does this play out? Well, in verse 4, chapter 12, it says, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Now, here's a little kicker in the story. And Lot went with him. And not just that, but, but in, go back, if you would, to chapter 11, verse 31. Look at that. It says this, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, this may come as a surprise, but in nearly every story of someone who chooses to follow God fully, it will involve some setbacks and distractions. Every, almost every story in the Bible where we see someone take a step of faith, you see that happen. In, in so many of our lives, including mine, we see that happen. In verse 4, it tells us that by faith, Abraham, he leaves his homeland. However, do you remember what God told him? Do you remember the original instructions? Leave your dad. Leave your household. Leave your people. Don't bring any crazy nephews and go into the land that I will show you. What did Abraham do? He left his country, but he didn't completely obey God's directions, did he? Because instead of leaving everyone behind but his wife, Sarah, we see that his father, Terah, is in in the caravan, and, and his nephew, Lot's in the caravan, and possibly a few other stragglers go with him. And if you know anything about the rest of the story, which we're obviously not going to get into today, Abraham's nephew, Lot, he was a troublemaker, He creates some problems. He creates a huge distraction for Abraham as the story rolls out, which causes a significant setback. But something else happens in this story that gets overlooked way too often. Okay? In verse 4 and 5 of chapter 12, here's what it says. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He was 60 when he left Ur of the Chaldeans. But he's 75 now when he leaves Haran. What's, what's happened here? Well, this is where I love where you get the whole Bible, okay? You, get, you just get to see little pieces and you have to go to somewhere else maybe to fill in some gaps. And we go to the New Testament. You don't need to go there. I'll just tell you what happens. In Acts chapter 7, it acts as the, the story of how the, the church started after Jesus had been resurrected and then went to heaven. Church starts, Acts chapter 7. There's a man named Stephen who is preaching the gospel and he is 
getting ready to be stoned to death for preaching about Jesus. And right before the rocks start flying, he starts preaching to these Jewish people about their heritage, about where they came from, how it all led to Jesus. And he starts talking about Abraham and he says, listen, God appeared to Abraham and he told him to leave his country, leave his people, to go out into a land that he would show him. But he says after he left Ur of the Chaldeans, he settled in Haran and then he finally left after his father died. In other words, instead of going to where God told him to go, Abraham stopped about halfway. He left, but then he stopped halfway. He stopped in a place called Haran. Now, now he didn't just stop for, to get a drink of water. He didn't stop for just a, like a quick potty break. No, no. They stopped for 15 years. God told Abraham to go to a place that he would show him. And instead, he went halfway to a place called Haran. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Haran. Haran was, was pretty much just like the place Abraham had just left. A lot of idol worship. There was prosperity. It was some comfort. There was some security. Obviously, a very welcoming place for Abraham and his family to settle. What, what's wrong with that? What's the problem with that? It wasn't where God told him to go. And it wasn't where God told him to stop. And I'm sure that Abraham left with full intentions to follow God all the way, but he encountered a setback and some distractions that caused him to stop halfway. Now, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, almost 31 years now. And I've learned a few things along the way about fully following God, being all in when when God calls you to take a step of faith. First of all, here's what I've learned. The walk of faith is scattered with wonderful people that have stopped short of what God has called them to do. They got hindered somewhere along the way on the road and and somewhere they just stopped. It's like they just stalled out and they're just idling right now. Or maybe they just kind of, here's where we're gonna go. They, They ran into a comfortable situation and they didn't go where God told them to. They ran in a sinful choice, stopped them dead in their tracks. Or, or, or fear came in and just crept in and they're like, okay, this is as far as we can go. Or, or they got tired of waiting on God to fulfill his promises and they went, okay, God, I'm gonna take some things into my own hands, which is, becomes part of the story later. Or they stopped believing in the faithfulness of God and somehow their faith has faltered. They're stuck in the story. They're stuck Here's what else I've learned about God and about people who take steps of faith. God does not give up on the people he calls. God does not give up on the people he calls. That's the only way I can explain why I'm standing here in front of you today. Because most of my college years were a complete setback and distraction from what God had called me to do when I was in ninth grade. But thank God, God never gave up on me. And he's not giving up on you either. Listen, Philippians chapter one, verse six, okay? You can clap, come on. Here's the promise, here's the promise. Being confident of this, that he who began what? A good work in you is gonna carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means that regardless of whatever setback or distractions you are facing currently on the walk of faith, God has not given up on you. You may be facing some heartache. You may be facing some fear. You may face pain and loss from decisions that you make because there's always consequences, but God does not give up on his children. He doesn't. Verse four, 
It says Abram was 75 years old when he, he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. A bunch of folks jumped on board and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. 15 years from God's first call to Abraham, he gets back on the road. And guess what? He eventually arrives where God called him to stop in Canaan. Now, there's some other little crazy stuff that happens, a little trip to Egypt that involves some lying. There's some stuff here. It's a fun read, by the way. You should just keep reading it. Not now, but later. But I will tell you this. Following God fully will always require faith. Always. In spite of the setbacks, Abram, he follows God all the way to his destination, but it took a lot of faith. I mean, you think about all that was stacked against him. All the setbacks, all the distractions. I mean, didn't have a whole lot of pedigree behind him to push him through. I mean... But he believed that God was the one that kept his promises. Now, I don't want to leave you hanging here, okay? This is not a series on Abraham, although it would be fun to do that. Fast forward, if you would, because I want to tell you what happens at the end. When Abraham is around 99, the Lord appears to him by a tree. It says three men come. Who are they? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're there. And they start talking to Abraham again, and they said, Listen, Abraham, I just want you to know, this time next year, your wife Sarah who, by the way, now is 89, 90 years old. That's different than 50, right, when it comes to having kids. She's going to have a baby. Sarah overhears the conversation, and the Bible says she starts laughing. She begins to doubt God, but God hears it. And the Lord comes back to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah hears that, and she eventually speaks up, and she denies laughing, to which God says, no, you did. I heard it. (laughs) But I love the question that God asks in the conversation. This is such a great question. Genesis 18, 14, he said, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? That's something you need to write down. You, You need to put that somewhere on your mirror this week because God's calling you to something. He's calling you to take a step of faith. He's calling you to do something. Is anything too hard for God? Nope. But also write this down. Genesis 21, 1. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. At the age of 90 or so, Sarah finally has a baby. Abraham is 100 years old. This baby was named Isaac. Everything that God had promised Abraham and Sarah in the story came true. The nation, the descendants, the protection, everything, including the last promise. Because eventually the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob would lead us to a savior by the name of Jesus. That means that the promise, (laughs) that means that the promise that God had made to you personally thousands of years ago was fully fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus. Just like he said it would, God made a way for every single one of you, made provision for every single one of you to become one of his own children. You say, how? He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for your sins and to raise him up from the dead, conquering death and hell once and for all so that by faith you could receive forgiveness and salvation by believing that Jesus is the son of God, by how? By you placing your faith and your trust in him alone to be your savior. But you need to listen, because I know the majority of you, you have, you have done that. But for every one of you, God's calling you to follow him fully. He may not be saying to you, leave your family, move somewhere, but, 
that you've never been, but he's calling you. For some of you, he, he is trusting you today. There are some of you, there were three in the last service that made this decision. He is, he is, he's saying, trust me with your salvation. God is calling you to trust your, his son Jesus to be your personal savior. And for some of you, that's gonna be a tough decision. You're gonna have to give up some things to do that. The thought that maybe you could do this on your own, maybe it's gonna cost you something at home, who knows? For others of you, that may mean that God is calling you to, to serve somewhere that's gonna make you feel a little uncomfortable. How about maybe like we're, getting, we're, we're serving in Clarkston now on the other side of town, the most diverse little area maybe in the whole country, and it's full of Muslims. But God brought them here. Why? Because they need Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're gonna go... God's going to call you to go work with Terrence downtown Atlanta. I, I don't go down there. I mean, I go to a game and I get out. Why? <laughs> what, what, what if God's raising up this little church in Paulding County to, to be a force in downtown Atlanta to people who are in poverty or struggling who desperately need Jesus? And that's what we, what, maybe, maybe that's what he's doing out here. Maybe God's going to call you and your family to move to Scotland to plant a church or to be part of a church plant. It's pretty cool over there, but it's tough. For some of you, God is calling you out of a life of sin. You need to let go of sin and start embracing what the, the, the plan that God has for your life. Your sin's wearing you out. It's time for you to let go of that. You're a believer, but you're choosing to live in sin. You need to step out of that sin and step into freedom this morning. Maybe God's calling you to walk with him in a whole nother level of intimacy. Maybe God's calling you to leave everything that you know to be comfortable and to follow God into an area you've never been before. But listen, whatever it is, it, it will, will require faith. And if God is the one that is doing the calling, listen to this now, it will always be about Jesus, not about you. And it will always involve expanding his kingdom, not yours. Okay, li listen, when God calls you, it's not about making a name for you, putting you on a pedestal, putting a spot. It's always going to be about Jesus and it's always going to be about his plan to redeem mankind back to himself. When I was about 10 years old, uh, 1976 or so, getting ready to turn 11, uh, my parents were getting a divorce. My dad was unsaved. My mom was saved but was struggling in her faith. And, uh, through a miracle, truly a miracle. My dad came to Christ. He became a spiritual leader in our home. Together, my parents put their marriage back together. God saved it. But when my dad came to Christ, it was one of those radical things that you, you hear about, you don't see very often, but it was a, a complete 180. It impacted me so much that a few months after that, I, like, like myself, came to Christ. And I had prayed that prayer probably a hundred times, scared to death I was gonna go to hell, but that's the moment that I look at and go, that, that's when it really happened because I saw the real deal. And then my, my dad at the time, my parents actually owned a, a flower shop. It was a family business. We had like four or five of them in our family in, in the Detroit area of Michigan. And my dad had bought my grandfather's flower shop, which was the first one that started, I guess, in the early 50s. And, but when my dad got saved, he started going to Bible college. I started taking some classes to study the Bible. And I mean, he just, the more he read, the more he just got immersed. And I mean, it was like, I mean, our whole family was changing. We had a prayer room in our house. It was, it was awesome to watch this man who 
really didn't have hardly any faith in his life, all of a sudden he is leading. And my mom is right with him. And my brother, Kevin, who's sitting over here, we're, we're just watching this happen. And then in 1980, I'm getting ready to go into high school, 10th grade there. Uh, my dad says, hey, um, God's called me to ministry. I'm like, all right, what does that mean? It means we're selling the flower shop. We're selling our house. We're leaving all of our friends and family, and we're moving to Arlington, Texas, so that I can go to Bible college because God's called me to be a pastor. So I'll never forget 1980, going into 10th grade, about 15 years old, almost 15, saying goodbye to all of these friends that I had known since kindergarten, all these family members who I have always been around all of my life. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, people thought we were crazy. Selling this flower shop, selling your business. I mean, sell, I mean we, had, we were a pretty comfortable family. And I remember, I, mean, I remember driving out of the, down our, our block in, in the U-Haul truck and, and with everything packed up and another car behind us. My mom was driving and we were, we were just waving to everybody. And I'm like, I, I've never been to Texas before. I don't, I've never, I don't know what's down there. I was kind of excited about it until I got there and I realized that Texas is actually like a, a country within our own country. It's, um, and, and if you're from Texas, you know, I mean, anybody outside of Texas is a northerner, including those of you from Georgia. Just, you're a Yankee in Texas. And it was more so like that in the early 80s. But I remember looking over at my dad and going, man, I sure hope he knows what he's doing. Because this is crazy what we're about to do here. And I want to tell you something, it was tough. By the time we got to Texas, all the air had gone out in the, my, the car behind us. My mom was driving. Our, our like pets died. It was like 30 plus days of 100 degree weather. I, mean, I grew up outside Detroit. We hardly had, you know, air conditioning in our houses. It was just, and it was, I was the kid that all of a sudden went on the meal plan, the government-assisted meal plan. I was the kid that uh, didn't have what most of my friends had. You know, I went from here being comfortable to we're trusting God nearly every week just to, for food. I'm, my first job, I'm bringing home a leftover food just so our family can eat. I mean, it's that kind of stuff but I wouldn't trade those three years for anything. I wouldn't trade those three years for anything. I wouldn't trade that moment of faith because I wouldn't be standing up here today. And I'll tell you, I graduated from high school in 83. He graduated from Bible college in 83. I went with them to Florida and we started a church plant together, a church, a new church in South Florida that failed. I wouldn't trade that for anything either. Because those are deep years, deep years of God doing some deep work in my life, in my family's life, in my dad's life of strengthening my faith and strengthening me. And listen, sometimes you, you set out, you're going to f- find some setbacks and distractions. But I, I want to encourage you to quit trying to figure out why God would call you. Because honestly, it's really nothing to do with you. It's not about you. It's about his plan to redeem the world back to himself, to bring his kingdom back to earth. But you're part of the plan. He gave you salvation. You're part of the plan. And today, regardless of where you are, here's what you need to know. God is calling you to be all in, to follow him fully. But know this, it will take some sacrifice and obedience because faith always does. But it comes with great promises. Faith always does. There's going to be some setbacks. There's going to be some distractions. But more than anything, it will require some faith. And you may be scared to death of what that is. And God says, Anything too hard for me? 
Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is no, because he's able. If he's calling, he will complete the calling in your life unless you just say no. But he's called every one of you to something, to take a step of faith, whatever that looks like, whatever it looks like, wherever you are. It may be like a big radical move. It may, be, maybe, it may just be something like, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my finances, which I never have before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away from this sin, which is burying me. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to lean into this marriage because it's worth saving. That's a step of faith for some of you today. We're going to stop fighting. We're going to stop. We're going to put it behind us. We're going to lean in. We're going to do what we got to do because I'm so thankful for two parents who did that. That's a step of faith. For some of you, it's going to mean walking away from a relationship that, is, that you shouldn't be in right now. For some of you, it's going to mean laying out your checkbook and your finances and going, God, this is all yours anyways. I'm going to trust you like I never have before. For some of you, I don't know. We'll support you as you go to Scotland. It's cool. But whatever God's calling you to do, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And nothing's too hard for him. Bow your head for a moment. For some of you, the step of faith you need to take today is salvation. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Would you pray with me? Just say, Lord, at this very moment, I put my faith and my trust in you alone. I cannot forgive myself of sin, but you can I ask you to forgive me. I cannot change myself, but you can change me. I put all my faith, all my trust in you, not in myself. I leave the thoughts I had before of how I was going to make it through this life and get to heaven. It's all on you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. And I receive salvation as a gift of grace by faith. If you just prayed that, look at me for a moment. I want you to get out your phone. I want you to text the word follow to 77453. We want to follow up with you on that decision. It is game changer time for you. For the rest of you and all of you actually stand. Would you stand with me? Every once in a while, there's there's a moment where sometimes uh, we have to take a little step of faith. And and, and and like I said, there's always sacrifice. There's always obedience. And for some of you, you need to bring yourself to these steps and get on your knees and say, God, here's my marriage. God, here's, my, here's this life I've been living that's been full of sin. I, I, I give that over to you. Here's, here's the, whatever step you're calling me, leaning in deeper to walking more closely with you so that I can live in your presence. Father, whatever that looks like, surrendering all of the, the things that I feel like are mine that I'm holding on to that's keeping my heart from being fully committed, I bring it to you. Whatever that looks like for you today, God is able and nothing is too hard for him. And some of you are going, I'm not coming up there. You don't have to, but it's sometimes for me as a step of faith where I make a moment in front of God and say, I'm getting on my knees so you know how serious I am in front of you. And for some of you, your marriage is on the brink of disaster. Grab your wife's hand, grab your husband's hand and get down here. Bring your sin down here. Bring your, bring your, 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 your faltered in the journey. You're faltered in the journey. You're stuck on the road. God's called you to something, but you're, but you're in idle mode. You get down here and you go back and get back to what God called you to do because he's not done with you. He will complete what he's called you to do if you will just trust him and start walking. Lean into your fear. That's what faith is. All right, that's what, that's what God does. Nothing's too hard for him. He-